women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. Good Shabbos. Here we are in the second week after the Torah has begun. Here we are trying to live with the times, which essentially means, as the first Rebbe said, the Alter Rebbe said, We have to live with the times. And from his holy brother, Rabbi Yehuda Leib, the Hasidim got clarity that this means we need to live with the Parsha of the week, that every Parsha teaches us things that are pertinent for us right now in our personal lives, right now for what the world is going through. Can you imagine so many millions of people reading the same words, but being able to draw from these infinite words Personal guidance, for Torah means guidance. Personal lessons, amazing. The infinite wisdom that shines with an infinite amount of rays into each one of us' lives, hearts, challenges. <clears throat> so last week, the creation of the world, a brand new world, Hashem has a plan. Dira betachtonim. The Medrash says, God desired for himself a dwelling place in this nether world, meaning a world where godliness is not perceived, a world where people have choice, a world where if they would choose correctly, that would truly be a nachis for Hashem, that he would truly, not like a king who's a despot, and enforces his rules. Not like the minute you do something wrong, God forbid, you're struck by a bolt of lightning. But where people have a chance to choose, time to choose, many opportunities to choose. But unfortunately, that mission that he gave humanity didn't work. Humanity as individuals, humanity as a group, spurned the mission. Spurned the mission to choose correctly to bring spirituality and godliness into the everyday interactions. They abandoned the mission. So what should Hashem do? Well, the next thing we find is this week's parsha that there's this man called Noyach. And Noyach builds an ark according to God's instruction. And then this horrific flood, hot water from heaven, hot water from the springs below the earth, rain for 40 days. The waters increase for months and months. <clears throat> and only Noah and his family survive. So we need to ask, how does this help God's plan of his desire to dwell amongst us. How is this going to further his plan? 
we know that ultimately Hashem will choose a family, the family of Avraham, and ultimately give his Torah, his instruction clearly to that family at Sinai. But somehow the Rebbe explains that the interim step is that Hashem chooses Noach and brings a flood. And we have to ask ourselves, how does this help? So what if he's going to erase everything, humanity, animals, birds, everything except the fish, and start again? So what's going to be the difference? So we've got to look at the name of the Parsha. And the name of the Parsha is Noyach. Noyach means rest, ease, tranquility. Really? The Parsha that speaks about these turbulent waters, destruction, and even includes the story of how Noach curses his son Ham, and that the people eventually after all of this can band together against God and build the Tower of Babel. Yes, at the very end of the Parsha, Abraham is born. Abraham, who is the one who begins to stem the tide. But the majority of the Parsha talks about negativity, destruction. And the question is, if the name of the Parsha is rest, tranquility, how is the flood tranquility? How is cursing of Ham tranquility? How? How is the building of the Tower of Babel? Rest, tranquility. <coughs> However, there was a plan, and it clearly speaks to us. Just as the flood was physically turbulent, but it did something that changed the world, these waters of Noyach, these waters of ultimate tranquility, cured the world of a deep spiritual problem that had existed before. What was going on before? What was wrong with the world last week in the Parsha of creation? You see, before the flood, the world was young, fresh, strong, and the people in it were as well. And one of the defining features is that the people lived for a very long time. And they were so strong. But there was something wrong with that strength. Had they applied that strength to making the world a place where physical and spiritual coexist, it could have been incredible. But they didn't do that. And we're going to explore what was wrong with them and how did the flood cure or change the situation. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. A good near Shabbos. I'm Mashi. And we're speaking about how is it that the Parsha that speaks about so much turbulence can be called tranquility. The Parsha that sings anything but rest has the name Noach, and Noach means rest, ease, tranquility. 
And we were exploring how before the flood, when the world was fresh, young, and strong, and people lived so long, there was something missing. And because that was missing, everything fell apart. Their strength was brittle. And once they had grown, developed, matured, they became inflexible. And it was almost impossible for them to change. Look at the story at the beginning. God tells Noah to build a flood. I'm sorry. God tells Noah to build an ark. And he tells him to go really slowly. Do it all by yourself. So it will not be finished quickly. It took him 120 years to finish. And surprisingly, no one changed. No one changed their ways. Noah, who had been a tzaddik, remained a tzaddik. And so many other people, they would pass by, they would say, what you doing? And he would say, God's going to bring a flood. And he's instructed me to build this ark. And the reaction was, that's ridiculous. And as he continued over the years, they mocked him. And eventually they threatened him. If we see you going into that ark, we will smash it to pieces. We will break it up. And Noah, undaunted, continued. Why did this clear symbol of Noah's involvement, why did they get used to it? Why did they, why didn't anyone rethink what was going on in his life? And that's because at that time before the flood, once a person's character had developed, once their mode of behavior had been formulated, molded, then it was really hard for them to change. And then the norms, the accepted norms of society became more and more corrupt. And the overwhelming majority of people just got sucked in, entrenched in this downward spiral of societal attitudes, moral attitudes, bad behavior, degenerate behavior, selfish behavior, negative behavior, greedy behavior, destructive behavior. And that became the norm. This is a home for Hashem. This is anything but a home for Hashem. God desires to dwell in our daily interactions He desires to dwell in the choices that we make, to bring a consciousness of divinity into everything. There's nothing that isn't from God. And therefore, when we do business, it has to be with an awareness that by divine providence, everything is happening. And ask ourselves, what are the spiritual choices that we have in this particular challenge? God desires a spiritually conscious existence in a very physical, involved daily life. Everything is from God. So the books we read, the food in our kitchen, our Shabbos table, our Wednesday table, the clothing we wear, and all our interactions. What do we do with our money? What do we do with everything 
that God brings into the world. Do we use leather to make tefillin and uplift the animal? Do we use animal skin to write a tyra, a mezuzah, and affix the mezuzah where God has instructed so that we have his protection and connection? Do we put coins into the tzedakah box? Every coin is a mitzvah. Do we study Torah? Do we pray? Is the food that we eat in and out of our home the kind of food that will sensitize us to spirituality? For that is the fuel that connects the body to the soul. God has filled our lives with choices. And before the flood, people found it impossible to change anything but impossible. They became entrenched and stronger and stronger in their habits and attitudes. And all of society became so corrupt. So what would it help if God sent a flood? We do see that the name of the Parsha is the waters of tranquility, the waters of rest, May Noyach, because the flood waters changed that reality. How? Well, as the water battered the earth, it softened the earth, but not just the physical earth. What happened is that the spiritual atmosphere was changed, softened. The atmosphere became more receptive to change. It became more flexible, more pliable. And when Noah emerges into the new world, it's fresh and beautiful. <coughs> and as the Rebbe describes, Teshuva winds were blowing freely. Teshuva the ability to change or to come back to our true mission, to our true essence. Change became accessible to everyone and less effort was needed. It was just available. In other words, no matter how entrenched people's negativity, their selfish behavior, their unwholesome behavior would become, they could choose much more easily. And that's why in the Parsha where Hashem declares, I'll never again bring a flood to flood the whole world. He wasn't just saying, I'll never make it happen again. He said, it'll never happen again. It won't have to happen again because I have provided people with the mechanism. The people were the same. They hadn't changed. It's the same people he created. But he gave us this new mechanism, this new tool with which we could more easily counteract and even eradicate negative behavior. The Parsha talks to us. And that's why the flood, the Parsha did bring rest and tranquility. And that became a very significant step to the very goal of creation, and that is to promote 
a divine awareness, a divine consciousness, and to spread it to every area of our lives, even to, and especially to, the detail. And even older people who are entrenched in behavior, they too are able to change. And this became the groundwork for the giving of the Chaira, for the creation of that family who would carry the divine message into the world. How is this a groundwork for Torah coming into the world? Well, let's look at what is the message of Torah. Torah's message is, it's never too late. That Hashem is so loving and always waiting to welcome us back with open arms. And that we can always start anew. We can start again to fulfill our divine mission. And we can achieve it with success that we never imagined possible. Every morning, it's a new world. Every evening, it's a new world. Every Shabbos, every week. What do we have to do to access that? We have to take a simple step. Some sort of action. That's the change. That's the choice. <clears throat> so the part is talking to me, to you, now, in 2020. And it tells us that whenever we're confronted with a particularly challenging situation in our lives, let's call it a turbulent phrase, phase, a turbulent time, a time when it's anything but tranquil, anything but comfortable. It seems the opposite of rest, of ease, of tranquility. Let us look at this parsha. Let's remember <coughs> that all of this is here to refine us and to cleanse us. <coughs> so let's look at how did Noah react to everything that was happening. He hears, God tells him, there's going to be a flood. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Thank you. Thank you, Craigie, for rescuing me. So the parish is talking to us. And we're saying that when we're ever, whenever we're confronted with a turbulent phase in our lives, things are anything but peaceful. Let's look at what happened here. Why did God send those turbulent waters? It was to refine the world to sensitize the world, to cleanse the world. And we need to look at our challenges as the marble, as the turbulent waters, but they're there for a good purpose. And we said, how did Noah react? Did he panic? Not at all. When he was told to build the ark and people came by, he knew who he was. He knew it was a challenge, but he stood his ground, his connection to Hashem, his connection to truth. He had clarity then. And what happens is that when we approach it this way, we will emerge from the challenge 
not only protected during the challenge, but when we come out of it, we will come out strengthened. We will not be damaged, God forbid. We will come out strengthened. We'll come away with the added gifts of the experience. But there's no denying that it's an ordeal. But for a greater purpose. The purpose being to benefit us and the world. That we can carry on with greater faith and greater strength to fulfill the reason that we're here on earth, our divine mission, our personal, our individual divine mission, and our collective divine mission. How do we do that? First of all, by focusing on the opportunity in the challenge. It's human nature to focus on the challenge and on the difficulty because when we get a challenge, it really is not an easy one. How? How's God going to destroy the world? How? How are we going to survive? Everything begins to look scary. Our world is falling apart. We have to remember that's only the superficial reality. Inside, is the opportunity to transform the destructive floodwaters into Meinoyach, the waters of tranquility, waters of rest. <clears throat> we have to be wise, though, wise enough to use this turbulent experience to our advantage. We have to realize that we can help to transform the entire world into a place of divine consciousness. Yes, I'm only one person. Noah, one person, one family, eight people. And the question is, how practically are we going to do this? And it's very clear in the parsha. Hashem says to Noah, Bo el hateva, bo el hateva. Come into the teva. The teva, the ark, will protect you. In Hebrew, the word teva also means word. A word is also called teva. So what does it mean spiritually? Enter the words of prayer. Make times for Torah study. Bo. Immerse yourself. And just as Noah and his family were protected by entering the ark, we will be protected by entering the world of prayer, the world of Torah study. Yes, outside the waters are raging. Outside the waters are turbulent, but they remained outside. When we enter the word of prayer and the word of Torah study, it can protect us from the flood. Now, what's raging outside? First of all, it's something which is outside of the mindset of our godly mission. It's all these worldly concerns. How am I going to have enough money? And what am I going to do with the kids? And how am I going to deal in business? How am I going to run my life? What about my relationships? 
it gets pretty complicated. <clears throat> and very often, this flood of worldly concerns threatens to inundate us and becomes really, really challenging. And therefore, Parsha tells us something quite amazing. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha and how can the Parsha, which talks about so much destruction, actually be called May Noach, the waters of tranquility. And we spoke that there's a Hasidic interpretation. Teva, Ark, is the same as word. Teva also means word. And if we immerse ourselves in words of prayer and times of Torah study, they will protect us from the turbulent worldly concerns that flood that threatens to inundate us. And as we pray, we say the words of King David in Tehillim, Hashlech al Hashem Yehavcha. Throw your burdens, your concerns on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Begin to understand that you're not alone. We begin to understand that this is a partnership. Prayer is connection. Prayer is perspective. Torah study, perspective, connection. We're not drowning. We're not being swept away by these turbulent waters. We are getting perspective. We enter the ark, the word, and we are protected. And in a practical sense, it makes us actually above the world. In the world, but above the world. And so, let's talk about something very pertinent, as it were. A lovely story that in the 1950s, a leading author commented to the Rebbe on the sad state of American Jewry. He was visiting the Rebbe, and he didn't see a future. And the Rebbe replied, yes, many observant people have despaired on the future of American Jewry. Remember, this was 1950s. And what was the reason for their pessimistic view. And that was because the present level at that time of Torah observance was so weak. And they based their predictions on the future of American Jewry based on what people were doing. Look at the incredible view of the Rebbe, his positivity. The Rebbe said, I am upbeat about American Jewry. Whilst you cannot tell them anything, you can teach them to do everything. You cannot tell them to do anything, said the Rebbe, but you can teach them to do everything. Because this is a world governed by choice. Wisdom has to be offered, not imposed. We have to make ourselves accessible, Remember, it's about kindness. It's about sharing. We too, 
even though we might observe more mitzvot than the next person, it doesn't make us a better person, as it were. What makes us a better person <coughs> is indeed when we take the lessons of Torah into our daily lives, when we behave with goodness and kindness, with integrity, with morality, based on what Torah tells us, when our connection to Hashem shines out as a beacon, as a guide, as a light to others, you cannot tell them to do things, said the Rebbe, but you can teach them to do everything. We have a generation where people are far closer to being able to choose. And it's so important that we understand that after the flood, choosing is an incredible, incredible, powerful tool. Nobody's too old. Nobody's too set in their ways. This is after the flood. This is after the gift that God gave us and that he established his gift with a promise. Not that he would never bring the flood. He would never have to bring another flood to flood the entire world. And the rainbow is a symbol of that. The rainbow is a symbol of the refinement, how the rays of the of the sun can shine through the refined clouds and create a message that is laced with hope. So interesting. I remember the children sitting at the Shabbos table years ago and discussing the rainbow. And one of them pointed out that the rainbow isn't a smile, but a frown that's going down because it's a symbol that people are not behaving the way they need to behave. But it's also a symbol of many colors, a symbol of light a symbol that Hashem has changed and refined the world. And what works? What works in refining our world? We've spoken about going into words of prayer, going into Torah study, but that's just the launch. It's example. And remember that beautiful story. After years of trying, a certain chassid managed to get an appointment with a well-known Jewish professor. And what was the reason that the chassid wanted to meet with him? As chassidim do, to try and draw him closer to Judaism, to Yiddishkeit. Finally, after years of trying, he's admitted, he gets an appointment, he's admitted to the professor's office. When he gets in there, he realizes it's getting dark. And it would be too late soon to recite Mincha, the afternoon prayer, morning is Shacharit, and the afternoon prayer, Mincha, which should be recited before the sun goes down. So what should he do? He's having a discussion, finally, with this Jewish professor. And in the middle of their discussion, the professor turned away to look up a reference. The rabbi stood up, turned around, faced the wall, and began to pray. The professor was stunned. He'd never seen anyone pray in an office. To his knowledge, prayers were offered 
during a formal service in a temple and as a, at a designated time on a designated day <clears throat> that someone should pray in the midst of this much anticipated meeting. Well, it intrigued him and it deeply moved him. And from that time, a developed, a relationship began to develop between the two of them. And that meeting became the first of many, many more to come. Our Rebbe told this story at a Hasidic gathering called Fabrengen. And he drew a lesson from the episode and he said, Although the two men delved into Jewish philosophy and delved into the Torah's view on many aspects of life, it was the Hasid's simple afternoon prayer that changed the professor's life. That prayer opened the door for that professor to see God from a totally new perspective. It's our actions. Who is God? What does he want from us? He's not in the temple. He's not in the house of worship only. He's in our homes. He's in our hearts. He's, as we walk down the street, in every interaction, the way we live our lives, that speaks louder than any philosophical discussion. We need to understand that we need to be that light. The light, well, if you look at the Parsha, the light of the new world. We have a difficult world at the moment, and we are preparing ultimately to leave the confines of our homes. We need to come into the new world with positive change in our behavior. No matter how we find we might have looked at ourselves before, for every day that we are given on this earth, it is obvious that we need to continue to climb the ladder of sensitivity to others, of perfection, self-control, and so on. We are here to do mitzvahs, as many mitzvahs as possible, and to be a living example to others, where they see how we use our time and what guides us, what directs us, not society. Our society has many positives, but it also has many morally corrupt trends, values created by individuals, swept on by, by society, by governments. <coughs> we need to understand Essentially, what is, what should be our worldview? And for that, I bring you one more story. It's a story where as Pesach came closer, a certain benefactor supplied free suits for all the yeshiva students in the Chabad Yeshiva at 770 Eastern Parkway. The young men went to visit a store on the Lower East Side to choose their new clothing. The very next day, the Rebbe spotted a young student new in the yeshiva, and he saw him in the hallway, and he was wearing an oversized, ill-fitting suit. 
And the Rebbe asked him, are you eating well? The Rebbe sounded very concerned. Have you lost weight recently? I'm asking you because your suit, although it's very nice, seems a bit big on you. And the young man replied, everything's all right, thank God. I actually got this suit only yesterday. And then this enthusiastic young yeshiva buffer says, but what difference does it make if my suit is a size too big or a size too small? It's only gashmias. It's only materialism. It's got nothing to do with the important things in life, the ruchnias, the spiritual. And very earnestly, the Rebbe responded. He said, Hasidism, the Hasidic way of life, is not a life of self-denial. It's not asceticism. It's not the belief that you want to get closer to God, deny the physical, deny yourself. On the contrary, Hasidus teaches that every aspect of one's physical existence can be channeled into the service of God. <clears throat> they are meant to be a team. They are meant to work together. That's why we are in this world, a godly soul in a physical body, a physical world which is really a godly world that is being recreated every moment by God himself. So today, as we approach Shabbos, and we're going to light our candles, and we're going to reach out to friends, candles should be lit by 6.01, Shabbos ends tomorrow night, 6.55, and we are re-energized with the story of the tranquil, restful, healing waters of Noyach. Good Shabbos.